ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast Season 4, Episode 21. My name is Luke Hatford and I am joined by the one, the only, the main Albion man at the Express and Star. A man who now flat out refuses to tweet any kind of stadium photo, Mr. Joe Massey. <laughs> That is true, I can't... Did you see that? Oh, yeah, you did see it, because you, as always, with any tweet of mine, you reply within, like, five seconds. You've definitely, definitely got alerts on for my tweets. I know you No are. comment. No comment. No comment. That was bizarre, though. I, yeah, I did the Shrewsbury game, didn't I, last week, and then... I did. I tweeted a picture of the car park, said, oh, I'm at Shrewsbury, and then didn't think anything of it. And I went in the ground, I thought, oh, that hasn't tweeted on my phone. I was like, oh, well, whatever, just do another one. And then, yeah, it literally came when I got home. I started getting these. I noticed I was getting these alerts because it came up then, like four hours after the game or something. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, what I was found... it? A seven o'clock kickoff, was it? Yeah, seven o'clock kickoff. Yeah, and then I got in about half ten, I think. Yeah, and then and the tweet like... went out. What? What? Quarter past eleven. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. I'm just jinxed with these. I mean, that, that phone is dreadful. I say it all the time. Company phone, absolutely atrocious. I should actually, like, I feel like I should name and shame it, actually, but I don't know what... It's a Samsung. I know all Samsung phones are good. Samsung's obviously very good phones, but this one's, like, absolutely rubbish. Um, but I don't know what model it is, otherwise I would name and shame it. But um, I can't wait for the next one when you eventually come back to it. No, I can't do it. It either turns upside down. It's ridiculous. I take a picture and it immediately takes it and you see it for like a second on your screen the right way and then it just flips. Yeah, we've had an upside down Hawthorns. Yeah. We've had a tweet that goes like three hours after full time. I want to know what the next the next mess it, like, muck up could be. You'll be able to pounce on it, mate, five seconds after it's happened, that's for I know, sure. I know exactly what it'll be. What will it be? I can tell. It'll either be... Uh, a video by accident or it'll be you like on the selfie camera by accident <laughs> I can assure you mate I'm not a selfie person mate everyone's a selfie person you just got to be in the right mood uh, I, I, I can safely say I, uh, I never ever ever take selfies I reckon I've taken five selfies in my life and that's me just plucking a number out of air like I've, I've never taken, I never take selfies, mate. You I can count imagine, the amount of selfies on one hand. Well, I can't even. I can so imagine you doing a little bit of grooming, getting your um, what's it called? Stick out selfie stick. <laughs> I mean, I haven't got a selfie stick. You Having a little arm. pose. You're so type of person that used to that's got has had a few profile pictures where you're posing in the mirror and you've taken a picture of you in the mirror. Oh, mate! You know what? You've read it perfectly. That's definitely happened, doesn't it? If if anyone finds my Instagram feed, they all they'll see the odd one. Is um, there? There is an Instagram feed out there. Yeah, I don't have have you just Instagram. posing in the mirror? Uh, let me let me quickly grab my phone. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and find how long ago this 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 photo was. A lot of them now are like uh, are much better photos, but I'm not going to lie to you. You're I have you, done. When you say better, are you saying that you feel like you're getting better looking? No, no, no. It was in that the camera quality is improved, which which might not mean it's a better picture of me. Um, and the photographer's normally done a little bit of a better job. I can't even find this picture. It was so long ago. Uh, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and I still can't find it. Uh, okay, twenty fifteen. So if anyone fifteen, what is it? Top off. No, 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 no. I've never done a. I've never done a. A topless selfie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm surprised by that, i got to be honest. 
Mate, I don't think I've got the physique <laughs> to pull off a topless one. Um, You're in good shape, mate. You play basketball. You're all right. Well, I haven't played for a year now, thanks COVID. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's been a year. But, um, yeah, uh, there is a selfie of us two, though. Is there? Yeah. It wouldn't have been me who took it. No, you didn't take it. It's no. me and you and um, uh, a man of Warsaw, Tom Hessler. Oh, right. Random. Yeah, yeah, we were covering a game at the Banks's, me and you at Warsaw, back in the day. Ah. I need to see this. I'll have to find your Instagram. You have to send me a link to your Instagram. I'm not on Instagram, but I'll um, I'll happily look at you posing just because I think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's dangerous waters now because if if you get some of them images and share them on Twitter, I'm in for a bad time. Um, how are you anyway? You seem to be in a good mood. I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I logged on to do this podcast, so it was called Baggy's Baby. Um, which that's not the title of the podcast, by the way. It's just the studio we're the virtual studio we're in. I uh, got very excited that you might be telling me something that you might be having. A, there might be a little Hatfield on the way. Well, it wouldn't. Of... It wouldn't be a baggies baby. No, it would. They wouldn't. It? <laughs> well, that's funny because while we were chatting before we started recording, I asked you if Villa were playing tomorrow, and you didn't know. I forgot. All right. All oh, right. You're a massive Villa fan. You are massive Villa fan. You don't even know they're playing tomorrow. Oh, the games are coming thick and fast. I'm focusing on on work. It's funny, Forgive like, me. You know all the Albion fixtures. Yeah, but I'm covering them more often. Who have Albion got on Sunday? Newcastle. Exactly. Answered like a bullet from a gun. Because you well, know yeah. these things. There's no hesitation. There wasn't even a second thought. You were just there. Yeah, God, because I'm flapping around with that villa fixture like there was no tomorrow. It took me about six seconds to Lies name. and damn Do lies. Me, hey, it took you about 45 seconds. 45 seconds is a claim. I've just <laughs> researched a whole Albion podcast, of course. I'm going to know they're playing Sunday. Um, <laughs> research, whatever, mate. Everyone well, listens to this podcast knows you don't do any research. I mean, that's, that is another claim. I've got a full three, so two-thirds of a page here. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Admit, admittedly, A5. A5. But, <laughs> Which tells you how long it takes you. Two thirds of a page of A5. Yeah, I've got small handwriting. Oh, you have got absolutely ridiculous. We're not even talking. You have got ridiculous handwriting, haven't you? Oh, yeah, my teachers used to hate me. Oh, it's so small, it's ridiculous. I mean, no one else can read it. No one. You know, you know when no, you go to the doctors to and you get, a, you get a prescription and you, you look at it and you think, well, it's just a squiggle. But mine's yeah. just like tiny little squiggles. You should actually tweet a picture of um, your. Uh... There's a, I don't, right, we're getting off track. We're going to, after this is the last thing I'm going to say on it because we want to talk about the football. But there's a, the, South, the South End reporter is called Chris Phillips. Yeah. You know him, yeah. And yeah, he yeah, has yeah. got the most beautiful handwriting. Now, I am not the type of person who would ever be impressed by handwriting. It's just not something that would ever interest me. Mm. But his handwriting is so beautiful, it interests me. Um, it's ridiculous. And because he knows, he knows it's absolutely amazing handwriting. So what he does is he writes out the team a lot. He like, oh, of course he does. Just like a little, and, every, and then he just gets a million comments of people going, "Oh my god, your handwriting's so beautiful." Um, people should look at it, and, but he does tweet it, and you should tweet your handwriting just so people can realise how ridiculous it is, because they're not going to realise how we're talking about it, just how ridiculous it is. I mean, I've just taken a picture of my research notes. Do you want me to? You know what? I'll um I'll do a, a team prediction. Because we 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 know Big Sam's talking mentioning p- potentially rotating the team for um, one of the games coming up. 
Shall I do a team prediction? Yeah, good segue that, mate. Yeah, yeah, I, I just thought, it just, just came to me. Um, That's the t- yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, before we talk about um, that, let's quickly run through the, the Brighton game. Though. West Brom won, Brighton nil. Uh, all aboard the survival train? <laughs> Is that one of your notes? It's literally, the, the words I just said are written in that exact order, in yeah. tiny, minuscule handwriting. You could tell. Um, all aboard, mate. All aboard. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's just it's it's a, it's so deflating that the gap, isn't it? That's the the issue is, um, it's not it's, it's ten points, isn't it? Let's be honest, yeah, it's ten yeah. points because it's, it's obviously nine points and a shockingly inferior goal difference. And obviously, Albion beat Brighton, and then following that game. Wolves played Newcastle, um, and it felt disgusting cheering on Wolves. It really oh. did. Um, the one time you need them to get a bloody one result. Time, I mean, they, you're just guaranteed to be let down um, by that lot, aren't you? So, yeah, they drew in one, one. I don't know what I sound. This is going to sound like this is absolutely stupid, and it is stupid. But for some reason, I was really excited about the gap being eight points. Yeah. And, and nine points seems is deflating me, which is just ridiculous obviously it's because it's uh, three wins though isn't it you can see that they, you just need the three wins now you need three wins and a draw yeah because the nine point three wins are not going to get us out of it is that's that's what's like so difficult um but yeah the brighton game i mean look they are fascinating they're a fascinating side um we've spoke about them a lot on this podcast because sort of mine and yours views on them differ a little bit. Um, I think I'm coming round, by the way. You think like they played this? Uh, it was really hard to work out their system, Brighton. Like they're very, very, very fluid. Like ridiculously fluid. Mm. But I think if you had to, like, peg it down, if you had to put it on paper, they played like a four-three-two-one. They actually had two number tens. Yeah. Um. And it's, it is, they do play good football. You can't deny it. Like you, They do. They move the ball around well. They, they they sort of cut you open. They get in dangerous areas. They're very, very pleasing on the eye. Um, but... But, man, they can't, that, they can't put the ball in the net for Toffee. But they can't put the ball in the net for Toffee. And it's difficult on this one because... And, I don't, I've never spoken about it on this podcast, I don't think, but I've spoken about it maybe to you. I've definitely spoken to it, to like the other local reporters. I'm a big, big fan of Nathan Jones, you know, the Luton boss. Yeah. I think he's a really good manager. Um, and he went to Stoke, and it obviously it completely didn't work out for him. Yeah. Um, but if you look, when everyone's banging on about XG now, and I really like XG. Um, I never used to, I thought it was a complete waste of time, but it, but it really is growing on me. Um and when he left Stoke, they were so high in the XG table. They, their performances every week were really, really good. They just couldn't put the ball in and there. Um, and I, I watched him at Luton. I mean, he was fantastic. First time around at Luton, I watched that team develop and it, they, were out, they were amazing. Mm. Um, he did such a good job there. Back to back promo- well, it would have been back-to-back promotions, but he left for Stoke. Um, and I sort of knew he'd come good, Nathan Jones. Yeah. Um, and I'm not surprised to see him do well at Luton now, back back there. And then it's a sort of a similar thing, really, with Brighton. They like the XG is obviously phenomenal. They they should be 
like way higher up in the league based on that statistic. But it can't be a coincidence that they keep missing chances. Do you want to do you want to take a, a punt at the XG for the game just gone? West Brom uh, one. No, do you know what? No, I haven't looked, and I, that's a very good point. I should have looked. Um, take a punt. I've got it here. So it obviously includes the penalties, yeah. Yeah. So you, I think it's point seven you get for a penalty, which basically means seventy percent of the time you'll score a penalty. So obviously that's so it immediately goes to one point four. The Connolly chance has got to be. I mean, that got, should be more than one. That should. <laughs> <laughs> you expect to score more than one goal from that kind of chance. We'll put that at like point nine because. Point nine nine. Point yeah. So we're at one point four. We're at. 2.3 um can't 2. Point, I'm, I'm, I'll go I'll go I'll go 3.2 and West Brom uh, uh, 1.4 you're astoundingly close and let me just mention that xg differs from where you get it from I get it from a good a good follow on Twitter, the XG philosophy, right? West Brom, 1.13. Brighton, 3.14. Yeah. And admittedly, there were two penalties in there. But it is strange with Brighton, isn't it? Because you think sometimes, is it just because they're taking a lot of shots from distance and all this XG's adding up? But it's not the case. I mean, it's just a purely a matter of just complete wastefulness in front of goal and, and twice from the penalty spot I mean that is unforgivable for me if they had a decent striker where would they be it's well they should have I mean we're doing it it's not a Brighton podcast at the end of the day but I was thinking I was thinking this after the game they they should have bought Ivan Tony in the summer no, oh, no. yeah yeah I said on this podcast I didn't really want that. I said on this podcast I didn't really want Albion to sign Ivan Tony because Everyone can see the gap between the Championship and the Premier League is massive. The gap between League One and the Championship is almost as big, I think. Mm. Um, so it's a hell of a leap. Um, but I think we can all see now Ivan Tony is the real deal at Brentford and will score goals probably wherever he is. 25 league goals this season. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, if they add him, I think they'd be doing really well. But in summary of the Brighton game, cracking, cracking goal from Albion, really, the corner. Sounds... Oh, yeah. Um, like obviously it's a corner so it'll be a little bit downplayed but the first interesting thing was that Conor Gallagher took it Mateus Pereira didn't mm. um, which I think is probably the right call because Pereira's corners can be really frustrating um, especially when they're played short yeah I mean the short thing I think he did get one he got one somewhere didn't he was it at Liverpool um, he's, they, we scored yeah, from short they went for a spell of literally playing it short and then playing it offside immediately after. Yeah, that was so infuriating, wasn't it? Oh, I couldn't believe it. It was so infuriating. Um, so, yeah, Gallagher delivery. And that Sanchez who played the goalie for Brighton, he comes for absolutely everything. I, I, was, I quite like him. Um, mm. But, yeah, he comes for everything. And they and Albion blocked him in, basically. The, the way they put players around him, he couldn't come from the ball. And that meant that Bartley's finish was basically... It was very, very simple... Yeah. Um, but all the work was sort of done off the ball. Um, so it was a good goal. Um, it was very. It was a good goal. Albion scored. And then you talk about Brighton dominating the ball, and they did. Um, but I said this on the video. They had, for me, there was only 
Brighton got in dangerous areas time after time after time after time. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, they could have scored really at any minute. They they, they were very, very, very dangerous. They were. Um, but the two actual chances from open play, the two big ones in the game, were that Aaron Connolly one where, oh my God, how's he missed? I mean, what was it? Morpai has a shot. Johnson basically parries it straight to him and he, he literally has got the whole net to pull it in. He just boots it, doesn't he? When he all he needs to do is just kind of pass that one in. Um, it's an incredible miss, really. Um, and then the other chance, big chance in the game for me from open play is the Maitland-Niles one. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of open play, Brighton obviously had got into the box a million percent more times than Albion did. Um, they got into much more dangerous areas. They put them under heavy, heavy pressure. Um Morpai had a chance saved from Sam Johnston just before half-time, but it's one of them. It was a good save from the goalkeeper, but then you'd be disappointed if it went in. You'd expect him to save that. You'd expect him to save it. So the two big chances in open play, it was one apiece. Um, mm. Albion scored a good goal from a corner, and then obviously the big talking point, well, not the big talking point, but it is the penalties, isn't it? The game, it's great. <laughs> I mean, the game's going to be remembered for... Lee Mason, bless him, and and for those two missed penalties, it's the first time ever in a Premier League game that a side has missed two penalties by hitting the woodwork. Yeah, um, and that just tells you how extraordinary really the result was because it, it has never happened before. Exactly. I was I was sat around. I mean, I'm, I was in the press box at the game, and you sat around journalists who have been in covering games a lot longer than I have, um, like really senior figures. And I was, I kept asking, has anyone been at a game where this has happened before? And they, everyone kept saying, no, they don't think so. And then eventually it came out on Opta that it hasn't happened before. It's just an mm. absolute, complete one-off. Um, and because of that, you have to say that the victory is very fortunate, don't you? Yeah. Um, In the same of... respect, though, like the penalties, I mean, I think the first one's nailed on, to be honest. I think there was a lot of people who were tweeting me on, on social media afterwards, because I said I thought it was a nailed-on penalty, uh, disagreeing. I still think it's a, a fairly blatant one. Okay, his hand is is way up, like above his head. He's almost he, he diverts the path of the ball. For me, that's always going to get given a penalty uh, on review. The second one, I think, is harsh. Answer. I mean, we often disagree with refereeing things, but I agree with you completely. It's weird because Allardyce didn't think the Yakuzlu one was a penalty, but. You can't have your hand up there. You can't have your hand up there. Like that, that, and that's handball. Like that is handball. It's a I've, penalty. I've no doubt that he's not. He's he's not trying to handball. He's he's almost trying to to grab on. I can't remember the Brighton player it was going to head the ball, um, but he's trying to grab on to kind of pull him down to try and stop him getting the header. But he ends up heading the ball directly into his hand, and it, it stops the ball going toward goal, which I think it, it was either going toward goal or around that area. Basically, yeah. he's handballed it. The, the Townsend one, for me, I think the only reason VAR hasn't overturned it was because it's probably not like obvious enough that it's not a penalty. And the whole idea of VAR is not to re-referee the game, and I understand that. But for me, it's not a penalty. I think Connor Townsend does really well. He's tackling from the wrong side, so I can understand why Mason blows for it. But he actually, he actually gets a fair... Fair touch on the ball. Yeah, I agree completely. I agree completely. I don't know why that was given under VAR. I think that should be that should have been ruled out personally. Um, but yeah, spot on. Completely agree with both of you. Kuzlu definitely was. Townsend wasn't for me. Um, but I mean, we'd still be playing now and Brighton wouldn't score. Oh yeah. They'd have hit incredible. every part of the post. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and another panel where they just smashed the other post, and they? It's hilarious. I'd love Let- to know what what their cumulative score on, on, on crossbar challenge is this season. Yeah, they'd be smashing it. Oh yeah, they'd be top of the table. Um, there was that just wasn't the only contentious refereeing decision though. There was of course the whole free kick situation, uh, which turned into a, a right a right mess really. I, I I almost feel for Lee Mason a bit because I think it's something very relatable to anyone who's who's let's be honest cocked up and then and try to reverse your decision and and try and turn things around. But you've got people who are are obviously you know giving you a bit of stick for it. Is it's just. For me, with 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 Lee Mason, is that it's not the first time, and I do feel for him a little bit. I have to admit, I felt. I mean, that's. The, look, I mean, we've got to talk about when you talk about a fortunate win for Albion. Obviously, Brian missing two penalties is incredibly fortunate. The fact that this goal was disallowed because Mason allowed the free kick to be taken quickly, blew his whistle, and then blew it again at the point. <laughs> where Lewis Dunker made contact with the ball, but the ball had not crossed the line. I mean, they say footballs are de- like games are decided by the finest of margins. Well, that was decided by, like, split seconds. Yeah, that's like, not like hundreds of a second. There, hundreds of a second, yeah. Like, that is how... That isn't a goal by hundreds of a second. Um, and he's just got it badly wrong in the first place, blowing the first whistle, mm. um, not realising... I think... One of the famous old referees, what's his name? Dermot something, I can't remember what his name is. Dermot Gallagher. Dermot Gallagher. So they lost focus. So you just have these moments where you just, you just, you can't be 100% at it at every second of every game. Mm. And just for a second, he switched off and not realised Sam Johnson isn't ready. And I think that probably sums up what happened. He's just had a, a very brief mental blank. Um, and obviously, it's, it's caused absolute pandemonium. I, I mean, I've got to be honest; I felt really sorry for him because um, there was this. There was this after he, he, he disallowed. He just didn't give it. Then he did give it, which meant he was absolutely swamped by Albion players. Yeah. And then it was so, and 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 he was just walking around the pitch so aimlessly, like he just didn't know where to go. He started walking towards the goal. He started walking towards the dugout. Then he sort of stopped and he was, honestly, he was lost. Yeah. He was genuinely lost. And it wasn't nice seeing a bloke in that position surrounded by angry footballers for both teams in the end, like because Brighton players gave just as good as Albion's did um, when the goal was disallowed. And you just thought, oh my God, like how do you recover from this? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, there was still 15 minutes to go. Um, in that half, and you just thought, God, that bloke needs to get down the tunnel and, and try and regroup. Um, um, I mean, I don't know if this is fair to say. I mean, I think it is fair to say. I don't want to get in any trouble, but Lee, Lee Mason, with the greatest respect, he's quite a big boy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like an athlete, let's put it that way. Um, and you think, I don't know what happened with Nuno. Nuno saying he's not fit, he's not good enough to referee in the Premier League, and obviously getting fined twenty five grand for it. And the thing with the Nuno thing was that not only did Nuno say it, he was then given a chance to take back his comments, and he literally said, "I'm not taking back my comments. Yeah. He is not good enough to referee in the Premier League." Um, so I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know what. Uh, look, he's not. 
apparently he's got an injury now, Lee Mason. So, I mean, that's very, very convenient. Um, he's going to miss a few games, I think. But, yeah, look. It's, it, it's in a the, tough in, one, isn't it? In the Football League, there's a referee called Trevor Kettle. <laughs> you you never fail to mention Trevor Kettle. Uh, and when you see him on the team sheet, you just think, oh, no. Um, and then it's getting to that stage now with Lee, Lee Mason. Um, the, the thing is with, with Lee Mason, and I, I, th- I think everyone kind of looks at certain referees in a different way, and probably wrongly. Um, you know, they can be somewhat, you know, you can be somewhat stereotypical about referee. With Trevor Kettle, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think there's kind of a, a thought amongst many that he's one of the referees that likes the game to kind of revolve around them. I don't think Lee Mason isn't one of those referees where he tries. Lee Mason isn't one of those referees where he tries to make things bigger than they are. Mistakes and many others, and everyone makes mistakes. Me, you, footballers, regardless, we all make mistakes. The issue is when it becomes a regular occurrence. And bless him, it's just there's maybe been one or two, few too many. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. There's been yeah. He needs. He needs to really turn it round because he needs a lot of good games and quickly because at the moment he is people like I said you see his name on the team sheet and you do sort of sigh because um, you're you're expecting it you're expecting something to go wrong and that's not obviously a good place to be when you're a referee certainly isn't um, out, out of, overall anyway I think he actually got things overall right um, after after reviewing the free kick situation, like you said though, he, sh- he just needs to see that Sam Johnson isn't set up. For me, in that position, and and I think match of the day highlighted it quite well. Lewis Dunk's done that before in taking a quick free kick. Does there need to be com- like maybe a rule introduced saying like when the ball's in the final third that maybe you can't take a quick free kick? Something to just kind of like rule that kind of situation out again. Yeah, well, I think that's that's where we were sort of post match. Um, I'll actually, I'll, it's probably one to ask Sam. Actually, we've got a presser tomorrow, Wednesday, um, head of the Everton game, and he actually said that was Sam's big thing with it post match. He said he hasn't seen a quick free kick taken for years. He said he's obviously watched an awful lot of football in the two and a half years he wasn't in in the game. He, he and in in the years leading up to his break as well, he said he he understood it that quick free kicks were sort of outlawed. And he said, obviously, that was... <clears throat> we talked about it, didn't we, on the video, that what all teams used to do was get someone to stand on the ball. Yeah, I mean, you see, for me, I think I've seen a couple in, like, midfield. You know, it happens more likely in midfield in your own final third when you're just trying to play out quickly, but... Yeah, but it used to be, like, Thierry Henry used to, used to see him, didn't you? You used to see Thierry Henry would literally... You, you could actually watch the conversation, basically. Thierry Henry, Arsenal won a free kick 20 yards out. You'd physically watch Henri turn to the ref and say, can I take this quickly? Exactly it, like Lewis they, Dunk did against, against Albion. Yeah, exactly like Lewis Dunk did. And the referee would say yes, and before you know it, like Balls Thierry Henri's off yeah. celebrating while everyone else is having a row. And there's nothing anyone could do about that. But those things have stopped. And that was Allardyce's understanding that you can't do that anymore. Um, um and he said, and he said he'd obviously look into it because he said if if you can, he will have someone standing on the ball. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have someone standing on the ball because, as far as they were concerned, it's outlawed now. And also that would sort of make sense because 
Um, <clears throat> but you don't see those free kicks anymore. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> um, I'll ask him about it. See if that's been clarified because it is an interesting one. I'm sure. I'm sure he, he's probably right though. And and actually, you can't take free kicks like that now. Yeah, I suppose the rule will be pretty simple. If you're in an attacking final third, no quick, no quick free kicks. You have to wait for the whistle. Simple yeah. as. It's just a um, case of the goal of the referee basically saying to the goalkeeper, "Are you ready?" Isn't it? Yeah, kind of like um, they do at the start of the game. You know, they give the old thumbs up and then yeah, let's play. You could actually argue that is quite harsh when you think that, for example, with the, that free kick on Saturday, a prime example, like Conor Gallagher, I can't remember who he fouled, but he brought someone down on the edge of the box and that was advantage Albion, really. It was, it was, it was better for Albion to give away that free kick than yeah. it was for them to allow that move to carry on. Yeah. So it is a bit harsh on the attacking side that they then have to wait and regroup and wait for the goalkeeper to get his wall right and be ready for the free kick. Like There's not a lot of advantage going on there for the attacking side, um, <clears throat> which I think is a talking point. But um, I suppose you could maybe stick in a rule like the, the keepers have when they collect the ball, which isn't always followed to the letter. But, I mean, I think it's... Well, there's a certain number of seconds that you're allowed to kind of keep hold of the ball. So maybe yeah, you could do something like that where the free kick's kind of got to be taken in a set period of seconds. Takes a, it does take a goalkeeper a surprisingly long amount of time, though, to organise the ball, doesn't it? Like, you see him, like, a oh, little, yeah. bit, little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You see him, it does take a while. But, yeah, I think it's probably better for everyone if the quick free kicks aren't allowed, maybe. But it is a bit harsh on the attacking side. Yeah, um... Question: Does does Shemi Joy face a fight to get back into this eleven after the performance we saw at the back? I mean, I know they gave away two penalties and there was a fair few chances on goal, but I think O'Shea did well. Bartley obviously stood out, but O'Shea did well too. Yeah, I think and Sam I submitted it. I think the story's gone out today with quotes and him saying Ajay has got a fight on his hands. I, I actually don't think Ajay will play against Everton. Well, it's hard to know actually because obviously we're not quite sure what team Sam Ellis is going to pick, which we'll get into, but. Um, yeah, I think O'Shea deserves his place. Um, I mean, I'm a massive Shemi Ajayi fan, massive Dara O'Shea fan, I really like them both. Um, I think they've both got bright futures at the club, long, like, I hope, long term. Um, but Dara's never, ne he just doesn't, he hasn't let Albion down at all. Um, and it's not just the, it's not just the last, it's not just the Bryan game, it was the Burnley game. When yeah. he had 10 men, he's come on after 30 minutes, and he's defended really, really well. I think it'd be really harsh to leave him out. Um, really, really harsh. So I, I honestly expect O'Shea to start against Everton. Yeah, I think it'd be harsh to to drop him out, wouldn't it? Um, and last last bit on the game, and it's not just a a big three points for Albion in terms of yes, we've got three points on the board, but it also kind of keeps Brighton in that battle as well, doesn't it? At the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, for for me, I still think one of I think I'm only looking at Newcastle. I've got to be honest, I'm only looking yeah. at Newcastle. Um, I think Brighton will have too much. Um, I think, but you can't guarantee it with the, with the way they're playing. They just don't score. Mm. Um, and it could run, but it's got to be, it's got to be something psychological with them. There's obviously, there must be, that must be playing on their minds. Um, 
the fact they are so bad at putting the ball in the net. So they're definitely in it. For me, Newcastle are the side that we've said before, from top down, there's issues at the club. That that leads to trouble and disharmony and on the pitch and it affects everything. So and the injuries, the injuries. They've just lost Alan Sen Maximin and Almiron as well. That's and that's what I'm talking about. I mean that Almiron is a good player. Um, Alan St. Maximum is obviously he's one of them where I mean he looks he can look like a world beater on his day, can't he? Yeah. Um, I think he is a bit hit and miss, but I mean when he clicks, he, he is fantastic. And Callum Wills is injured. Um and you just think that there's it's a bit of a recipe for disaster at Newcastle at the minute. Yeah. Um the only thing they've got really above Albion at this moment in time is the gap. But they haven't got the gap to Fulham. No. Um, and Fulham have sort of snuck up on everyone, really. I mean, I've always... Not lost five. Well, I've always said draws relegate you. You look at Leeds, right? They've, I think they've drawn two games all season. That's off the top of my head, so I could be wrong. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They, they, they're that right, yeah. They've drawn... And they're 10th. They're 10th. Yeah. Or 11th. 11th. That's because, that's because three points are so huge in football. Like, it's just winning games. It doesn't matter. Drawing... If you keep drawing, you normally end up in a bit of trouble. Um, but because the points are so low at the bottom, Fulham are just steadily, steadily, steadily. It's just one point at a time closer towards the finish line, isn't it, almost? Um, and I'm surprised, actually, how close they are to Newcastle. I think Newcastle have won seven-odd games or something. All these, all, yeah, these seven. Um, all these numbers are coming off the top of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm actually impressing myself. Um I've got a computer in front of me, but it genuinely isn't on that. But, um, yeah, so you think... And I don't know how many games Fulham have won. I'm going to guess at four? Yeah, four. I'm flying! <laughs> <laughs> but they're, like... They, they're a bit closer than than I expected. Um, and they've got to be really... I, I, I pro, if you're being honest, Newcastle aren't worried about Albion at this moment in time, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say no. they're thinking... Nine points and goal difference, they're going to overtake us. But they're going to be panicking about Fulham. Oh, panicking. yeah. Um, so the pressure's on, really. Um, They've not got goal difference on their side over Fulham either. No, I know. Um, so in my, in my head, Brighton, Palace, Burnley, even Southampton, who, I mean... Dropping like a rock. Dropping like... I mean, I, I'm a bit blinded by Southampton because of how good they were um, against us earlier in the season when we were both there. I mean, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. Um, I didn't think Albion were great that day either. No, Albion were poor that day, that is true. Um, but you're right, I've saw, I've seen Southampton in previous games and I've been like, oh yeah, they'll be fine, they'll be you know, 8 four, nine. Yeah. But I, all think, I think all those teams will have too much. I include Brighton in that just... What about Burnley? I think Burnley love too much. I just don't think they'll go down under Sean Dyche. Fair. Um, but you're right. You're right in saying that draws. Because, I mean, you look at Sheffield United, they've drawn two games. They've lost 21 times and they've only got 11 points. That's that's why they're so far adrift as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, for me... It is demoralising, isn't it? Because you look at Albion, 17 points. Even if they beat Everton and Newcastle and say Newcastle lose 
up until then. Obviously, you know, if West Brom beat them, obviously Newcastle will lose that game. Yeah. But even then, you're in this. You're in the position that Fulham are now. The only thing I'd say to that though is, if that is to happen, I think I think it'll be panic. I've, I mean, I, I think Newcastle are panicking about Fulham. But if that week was to happen, I think they would be, they would be really panicking. And you don't, two a two game swing, isn't a lot. No. Um, Their fixtures aren't great either for them. I mean, obviously they got Albion on Sunday, then they play Villa, then they've got Brighton. That's an absolutely huge game. Yeah, see, I will, I will be open for a Brighton result in that game. Yeah, I think, I think any Albion fan will be hoping that Brighton do a number on them there, and hopefully, I mean, they'd lose by some goals. I mean, it's weird because as an Albion fan, you'll be, you, you'll almost be cheering Villa on. I mean, Villa have got Sheffield United, and I think Sheffield United are out of it now. There was a point where I thought they'd be potentially trying to battle their way out of it, but I think they're done now. Um, but Villa play Sheffield United and then Newcastle. Yeah. I think Newcastle are in trouble. <clears throat> I, 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 I don't know. I, I really think I really think Fulham could catch them. Um, and I think we can if we get out. It depends on how we get through this week, really. If we beat them, we've got a chance. Oh, yeah. Just looking as well. I know this is an Albion podcast. You know, you know what Newcastle's last game of the season is? Go on. Fulham away? Oh Christ Almighty! And they've run up. They've run until then. I mean, I'll quickly run through it: West Brom, Villa, Brighton. Then they've got Spurs, Burnley away, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, City, and then oh. they've got Sheffield United and Fulham. I tell you what, that is not a run you want. I think the only the only game they they should be comfortable in is that Sheffield United one. I mean, Burnley, maybe. I mean, Burnley didn't look great against Albion, but you'd think they'd have players back fit by then. Mm. I'll tell you what, Newcastle, you, I think you're right to be worried for them. Um, let's quickly talk fixture placement. I mean, this is a we've, we've had a, quite a bit of in, in-depth analysis there, Joe. It's not, it's not <laughs> regular for a podcast, is it? Um, fixtures, uh, your thoughts on the Everton game and why it's been stuck on a, what, Thursday night? No one seems happy about it. Um, yeah, we've got quite a lot to say about this, actually, but I'll try and condense it as much as I can. I mean, I don't understand I don't understand why they're playing the game on Thursday. I mean, look, we all know, I'm not just saying that because Allardyce is fuming about it, um, and Allardyce is absolutely fuming about it. Um, I've said before on this podcast, he gets, he gets a bee in his bonnet about things. Yeah. So, like, the, the first bee in his bonnet was definitely covid and you'd be like, Sam, what colour's the sky? And he'd be like, yeah, but COVID, is, we can't train. Not a time then, on the training ground. Like, not a time on the training ground. And then like, the next um, bee in his bonnet was Fulham and Sheffield United. He is he is so angry we didn't win those games. And you're like, our oh, performance is improving. But yeah, yeah, we didn't beat Sheffield United and Fulham. He's so angry about it. Kept mm. talking about Sheffield United and Fulham. And now you can't stop talking about Everton um, and the rearrangement of this fixture. And the, the point... It shouldn't be being played on Thursday. The reason why it shouldn't be being played on Thursday is because Albion have got us like a three-week spell where they don't play, mm. and there is there is a possibility for it to be included in that time. I can't remember what the exact date is off the top of my head, but Sam has done. It's in the paper. Sam has. It, there's quotes on it. Read the, the stories online. Um, 
but there is a date when that can be played and you just think why 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 when when this was we kept saying it didn't we like it was what is it um started with brighton then no sorry who do we play burnley brighton newcastle burnley i had a run of four not burnley palace sorry so we had these four games that were always going to be absolutely going to define the season always going to define the season it, it was it was more than four games it was actually six games but with man united and tottenham thrown in because we were talking about this for fulham and sheffield united um so to chuck in this Everton game is um like well, Sam Allardyce says it's like the Premier League saying we don't want you to stay, stay in the division. Um he's been very, very strong with what he said. He's very, very, very angry. Um and I think it's justifiable. Um but I just don't think we should be playing that game on Thursday. I think it's a really, really, really poor decision. Um The only, the next question is should we rest players for it? Which is what... Can you afford to? Which is what Allardyce is essentially... Now, Allardyce has said... It's very, very interesting what he said. He has said that if he doesn't rest players for Everton, he's got to rest players for Newcastle. Um, he said they won't be able to perform to those two levels in two games in that quick succession. Now, he and he points to the Burnley game when obviously Albion, play, Albion obviously played for an hour with 10 men and battered them, really, for 10 men. Mm. And he says the reason why they battered them for 10 men was because Burnley had played midweek and Albion hadn't. And he said that is where you could see... He says if Burnley hadn't played midweek, Burnley would have beaten Albion with, 11, with the 11 men to Albion's 10. Mm. But because they had played midweek, they couldn't even cope with Albion with 10 men. Now, that's his opinion. Obviously, very, very, very interesting. Um... And he gets to see the data, he gets to see the science, he gets, he, he obviously is ex- vastly, vastly, vastly experienced Premier League manager. Um, the the conundrum for me is, and and it is a huge conundrum, well, there's no, there's more than that. The, the, one, like you just said, we're running out of games. Like, we are running out of time. Um, we can't afford to not be at full strength for a game, I don't think. But the mm. big the big conundrum is Everton played on Monday. So for all Allardyce is saying about um, how keeping his players fresh, you'd imagine Everton, if it can't be easy playing on Monday to Thursday. No. Um, Albion have had two days over them, really, to, to prepare two days rest, really. Um, over Everton going into this game. So, look, it's really hard to know. It's probably an incredibly, incredibly naive viewpoint because, as I've just said, Allardyce sees all the data, he gets all the figures, they monitor the players left, right and centre. They have got all the facts. But it is hard for someone in my position, and I would say the average fan, to not believe that professional athletes can perform for two games. One on a Thursday, one on a Sunday. Um, This is the thing as well. And I understand his point. But when Albion are in the championship, in any championship team, they're regularly doing turnarounds like that. He would say, but 
he has said, Sam, that he would be happier if the game was on a Wednesday. So I think it's the Thursday-Sunday thing he doesn't like. It's an early kick-off Sunday as well, to be fair, at midday. Whereas um, Everton, Everton play Monday evening. And I appreciate that... As a cor- we all know that teams that qualify for the Europa League tend to have a bit of a dip, don't they? Yeah. Um, so when they play on that Thursday. But at the same time, these are all home games for Albion. There's no travelling involved. Um, so I don't. It is. It's a really. It's on one hand. I'm like, why are you even? Why are you even question it? Like Sam sees all the data. Sam sees all the this, that, and the other. He knows what's best. On the other hand, I'm thinking, don't rest players for Everton because they played on Monday. Yeah. Everton. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're having a great season. They've got some really good players. They're doing really, really well. But but they're not. Like, they're not Liverpool. They're not Man. Uh, well, they're obviously above Liverpool, or whatever, in a minute. But you know what I mean. They're not Man City. Yeah. Like they're beatable. You can get a result against them. And then Newcastle, you got another week after Newcastle before you play again. It's such a massive game. Couldn't the adrenaline just get you through both? That's what I'd say, and I'd, I'd, it could work in their favour a little bit because say they go to Everton and put in a. a a brilliant performance and say they get three points I'm not saying that's going to happen it's a, a matter of they're on a great run this team I mean they're already three and beaten they've won their last game they should have beat Burnley if they win against Everton or put in a good performance and draw you'd say well I, was, I can't change that team anyway and yeah they should have beaten Man United like they should have beaten Man United at home. They should have beaten Burnley. They, should, they did beat Brighton. Man United are a better team than Everton. Yeah. The league table says. And look, obviously Everton have got real threats. Obviously Dominic Calvert-Lewin is incredible. Richarlison, blah 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 blah. James Rodriguez. We know that. We know these are great players. Um, and Carlo Ancelotti is obviously a, a wonderful manager. But I don't know it. Oh. I'd go for it. The issue you'd have is, and it's it very much is. I mean, could be worst, worst case scenario. Say you say you don't change your team, and then on Sunday you have two players come down with hammies. And obviously, the issue is, is a swing, isn't it? You you're not only beat taking three points against Newcastle, you're gaining three points, and you're stopping them from gaining any points. It is yeah. the cliched six pointer. So Newcastle is. The bigger, obviously, the, the the bigger game, um, and I, and I think it would again, like we said, I think it would have an, an impact, psychological impact on Newcastle to lose to Albion, um, and see that nine point gap reduced to six. Um, so Newcastle is a much bigger game, but it's only I'm only saying what I'm saying because I genuinely believe Albion can get a result against Everton. Mm. I believe they've made such huge strides forward in the last couple of weeks. That I think they can match anyone at the minute. Um, so just it 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 will be deflating if I'm honest to see a team sheet on Thursday that is what you call second string. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really really interesting. Um, but I'd go for it. I think I'm in the same boat as you, mate. Just go for it. I mean, at this point, what have you got to lose? Yeah. 
really. Uh, I admire, I kind of admire, I'm rambling on about this now, but I kind of admire Sam for like, what you've got to say with this is he's definitely putting the team above himself. Yeah. Because the easy thing to do would be to just pick the team that everyone wants picked. It would be, do you know what I mean? Because that he's he is going to be, imagine if we rest players against Everton lose and then don't beat Newcastle, get a draw or whatever. Yeah. He is going to be hammered. Like he is going to be hammered. But he doesn't care about that. He is taking that on the chin. And I, I kind of admire that. Like he's not going to just bow to demand. He's going to do what he thinks is right. Um, which is admirable, but it's just whether it is right. But like I said, he's got the facts. I haven't, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, let's get on to questions. First one uh, comes from Daniel Tudge. Uh, playing with so much more pride now, can we handle the likes of Calvert-Lewin or James Rodriguez? I mean, I think so, and I think that's proven in in the last last three games. At the end of the day, Man United had one shot on target in the first half at the Hawthorns, yeah. um, from which they scored absolute stunner from Bruno Fernandes. Um, you can pinpoint mistakes with every goal, really, you concede, but you, but that was one way you shouldn't. Like you just got to applaud the quality of the goal um, because a special strike from a special player. So I think they can. Look, I've, there's no doubt about it. On paper, Everton have got a far superior side. Um, but I do believe there is pride in the shirt. That's right. There, there, there's a growing confidence. Um, Allardyce will set the team up in the way to get a result, I believe, and they can do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost written for him as well, of course, former club, if he goes back and gets a result. I think I'm not, I could be wrong in there, so I could be wrong, but I think there's not many clubs he's left and been like disappointed with his departure. Yeah. Like as in like I think a lot of clubs he's left on his own terms actually. Like he's sort of parted ways at the end of a season. But I think he is a little bit I could be wrong, you don't, like I don't know, but I think he is a bit bitter about his Everton departure. Um um so I mean let's be honest, we play a former big Sam side every week, don't we? It feels yeah. like but um I think there might be I think he will maybe. But I could be wrong there, but I think maybe they are a club he'd like to get one over. Yeah, sure. Uh, Andrew Turton, how many points will it take to stay up this season, do you think? Best case, I have for Albion is 35. That includes wins against Newcastle, Palace, Southampton, Wolves and Leeds and three draws. Doable? I think about 35. I mean, Sam is, ad- is adamant 38, but it's not going to be 38. No, not um, just 38 this season. Um, I think 35, maybe 34 at a push. Um... Oh, that's so demoralising because I only need to double their points, Tally. Yeah, but I think... Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that's why everyone knows it's, it's, it's really, really unlikely. Um, you just have, you literally... And it sounds like such a cliche, you have to take it a game at a time. Like That's the only way you can look at it without being getting down. Yeah, yeah, it is right. Yeah, I mean, Sam's just told the players, don't look at the table. Um, he wants them in a positive mindset. You do just have to... It's, it is clever the way he's done it. He's just told them get to thirty-eight points and you'll stay up. So don't worry about what anyone else. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, that's all you got to do. It doesn't matter how many points Fulham have got and Newcastle have got and who else has got now. You've just got to do that and then you'll be fine. Um, 
So yeah, I think 34 or 35 might do it. Um, I find, I, I honestly think we can get a result against anyone now. Mm. In, in this season in particular, an extraordinary season where there are no fans, where games come very, very thick and fast, where teams do tire. Um, I think any at any point you can get a result. I think this team can get a result. So... Um, who knows where they're coming from? Can they get to 34, 35 points? Like you said, it's doubling the tally, isn't it? Yeah. It's a huge ask. Huge ask. Um, but Sam also said they'd stay up if they kept eight clean sheets. Um, and they've already kept one. Yeah, seven seven more. Seven more to go, yeah. Uh, Cal Haywood, how concerning is it that our midfield three are all low knees and highly unlikely to be with us next season, regardless of division? Would Albion be comfortable with Livermore and Sawyers in the Championship again? Overall, I think we need seven or eight players to join in the summer. Interesting one. I think we have seen that Livermore and Sawyers do very well in the Championship. I think maybe the Premier League is just a bit too much of a step up for them both. Yeah, it's an interesting... It's an interesting. It's a very interesting question because I think that for as good as Albion have been, and for all the wax and lyrical about them, and I mean, like, okay, Yakuzlu has been fantastic. I think there's a lot of a lot of potential in Maitland Niles. Um, um, we're both everyone's big. Everyone loves Conor Gallagher, but it is built as much as Albion have made vast strides forward. It is built on sand. Yeah. Um, they are lone players, and they all they they're all going to go. Um, I think if Albion stay up, which is obviously highly unlikely, but I think I think Yakuzlu will sign, and I think I think there's a chance they could get Gallagher again. Um, yeah, he won't be playing at Chelsea week in week out. Um, but yeah, it, it's a massive issue. It's a massive, massive issue that we play four three three. And three of the players in one of the threes are all on loan. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely huge. The Livermore Sawyers part of that question is very, very, very interesting because I would say that last season both were outstanding. They're, they're obviously, they were, they, were, they were definitely both a lot better before lockdown than after. Um, yeah. Um, you, could pr- you could probably say with Sawyers, actually, he was very, very good before the turn of the year. And sort of struggled in after that. Not struggled, but it didn't hit those. He played well, but he didn't hit the same heights as he was excellent from like August to January. Yeah. Um, and then struggled not struggled, but it wasn't as good after that. Livermore, very, very good up until lockdown. He probably did struggle, it's fair to say, after lockdown. Um I would say they are two very, very, very good championship players. Very, very good. Um, Sawyer's had 90% pass completion last season for a player who... It was the only it was the only player, let's make that clear, the only midfielder in the championship last season to have a 90% pass completion. And he does not play safe passes. No. He plays the balls between the lines. He finds passes that other people can't find. And he had a 90% pass completion. That's an incredible statistic. Livermore was... I mean, box to box. I'll never forget his Bristol City display. He, I thought he was brilliant at the time. He was brilliant for me. Um, the issue is not that they're not good enough because I, I unquestionably think they are in the championship. It's more how will they feel knowing that being back there 
Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's weird. It's like they've, it's like you've taken them out. It's like you've taken them away for a year and put them back in, but at the exact point that they left. Yeah. They worked so hard to get Albion up, and then they almost haven't had the rewards of it. Um, and if they, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe psychologically a move might be good for everyone, for yeah. them, just yeah. to freshen things up a little bit, a new challenge. I don't know. But then they're both very, very professional, both both intelligent like players and both will probably just knuckle down and get on with it. So it's difficult to know. It just feels a bit odd. It just feels a bit like... They feel... Because I really, really like them both. But at this moment in time, they feel like yesterday's men. Yeah. So can you then make them the main men again? It just feels odd to me that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, is it? Is it? I mean, I'm sure they'll say yes. We're hundred percent behind the cause, but like, oh, they would be as well because they're fiercely professional. But unconsciously, you fought all season to get the club promoted, and then essentially dropped under a new manager. Is the same fight going to be there the second time round? Unconsciously. I just wonder if a new, if us, when sort of the time comes, for, everyone needs a new challenge every now and again. The only but thing then, I, but, the only thing I would say is, Romain Soares is an Albion fan. He's, he's always going to fight for the shirt, regardless of what some fans might think. And and Jake Livermore, he's been through a lot of Albion. Let's let's not forget. He, I mean, he essentially rebuilt rebuilt himself as an Albion player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And they're and they're both smashing smashing lads. Um, and I, yeah, so we'll just have to watch it, watch, wait and see with those two. I think, but do, I, I think it's a very interesting question. Hmm. Um, but I don't really know the answer. Yeah, beautifully baggy. Uh, going to back what you tweeted about Bart shouting to the bench about Brighton changing their shape and needing help. Do you think this is something that was missing before? I know also that Sam Johnson seems to be more vocal these days as well. So I think. <laughs> There's two ways to answer that question. I do actually think there is an effort from Albion's players to be more vocal. I do. I do think that. Um, Sam Johnson, you're right, absolutely more vocal this season. Bartley, I'd say he's more vocal as well. He is a vocal player. Um, obviously, with Livermore not playing, Livermore is very vocal. Um, I think. I do think they've been a conscious effort um, for the players to be more vocal, I do. The only caveat is you, you never hear the, you'd never hear it if fans are in. No. Um, so that's literally like the only benefit of fans not being there is you hear some things that are sad. Um, so I just think probably a lot of, probably stuff like that happens all uh, quite often. Um, Obviously, with fans there, you just never ever hear it. Um, yeah, that's but but Barley has gone. Come on, leaps and bounds under Sam. It has to be said. Yeah. Um, he's playing really, really, really well. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I asked oh, yeah. Sam afterwards. I said, "What do you think of Carl Bartley's performance today?" And he sort of said, "Oh, 
thought everyone was as good as everyone else. But I thought I thought it was really good. I did. Rob really, Smith, really good. Yeah, Rob Smith asked a similar question. Was Allardyce done to Bartley? I mean, there was. It was a real, a, a really good performance from him. I mean, obviously he got the goal, but there was that tackle as well. That he celebrated like a World Cup win. It was brilliant. I love that I, celebration. I love that when a defender does that. It's quality. Whether it's a block on the line or a big challenge, and they get up and they give it a fist pump. And that's the one thing that kills me about fans not being in grounds because it's great when a goal goes in. But there's something about a fan reaction to a tackle or a block like that, which is just something else. And it's, yeah, it's giving me goosebumps thinking about it now. That would have been a massive... Everyone would have been up for that. Yeah, it was brilliant. Brilliant. I don't know if it's like a... Like a I think... I don't want to do him a disservice, really, but like I think Sam does simplify defending. Yeah. Um, I think he makes it very clear what he wants from his defenders. He, he was a centre-half. He... I mean... He, he will tell you time and time and time again survival is based on clean sheets mm. he's he, he is he is about he is a manager who is clean sheet first and then you you build from there he, uh, and i think that is obviously that defensive sort of oh it's not my microphone um i think that defensive mindset maybe the work he's doing with is, is obviously is helping bartley a lot um because he has thrived under him. There's no doubt about it. He's yeah. been immense. He's one of those defenders as well, which I never thought particularly suited Slavin Bilic, but suits Sam Allardyce down to the ground. As in, he's a proper physical defender. And I'm not trying to stereotype him, but big lad, wins a lot of headers, doesn't necessarily always try and do the fancy stuff and play out like, say, a John Stones or someone. He just suits, it, just suits that style down to the ground, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Hamish asks, I still think we're the more we're more likely to stay up than Fulham. Am I mad? Uh, followed on by Tom Hunt, who says, with Fulham having a difficult run of fixtures, Liverpool, Spurs and City in their next three, are they still the most likely team to stay up? I think out of those bottom three, Fulham are still there just purely because of the points tally. But uh, I'm certainly lifted by Albion's performances. I, th- I think there's a, they've got much, much, much more hope now than they did a month ago. Yeah, I think Fulham are still massive favourites to finish above Albion, to be honest. Massive favourites. Um, Those three fixtures aren't kind, though. But Yeah, I know, but Albion, not, Albion, like, Albion have got tough games coming up as well. It's, over the next 10 whatever games, like it's a tough game. Like it's, it's about the season, isn't it? Not about the next three. Even I, I think Fulham are massive favourites, to be honest. Um, but, but, but... That said, I have got belief that this side can can reel reel them in and potentially Newcastle. Um, it's such a huge. We say it every time. It's just weird because it's a huge week every week. But that's because of the position we're in. We just mm. haven't got any time to. We haven't got any games to waste, have we? No. Um, but I think everyone. I think everyone would be very very deflated if Newcastle win on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so I think it is a huge win, and we're gonna have to see how the next couple of games go. Really. Yeah, Mr. Bruce kind of follows up that as well. If if Albion draw with Everton and beat Newcastle, what are the percentages? What's the percentage chance of survival then? I think. It, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd you'd have a, an extra game played over Newcastle, 
but obviously they've not moved any points. So you're on 21, they're on 26. But they've got a game in hand. But we did just run through their fixtures. I mean, if that was to happen, which I, which that's the big thing, isn't it? Like, I don't think anyone really thinks we're going to beat Everton and Newcastle. We could, but I don't think anyone really thinks that's going to happen. But a draw against Everton and, and a win against Newcastle isn't beyond the realms of possibility. And then you, I mean, I, I have to admit, if that happened, I would be excited. Yeah, five, five points. Five points. That's two games. That's just a two-game swing. I'd and, be so excited. Um, and, then, and then you'd look at, I mean, we've looked at Newcastle's fixtures already, but then you're starting to think, okay, like this is doable. And it'd be more like you'd you also have to say that Albion are like Albion had a much better January than Newcastle. Yeah. Like Newcastle improved by signing Joe Willock. Like we improved by signing Yakuzlu Dianga, Maitland Niles and Snodgrass. We like we are a much better team now. You can argue it's only really in the last month, three games, we have actually looked like a Premier League side. Mm-hmm. Um so If you started the season on zero points now with 10 games to play, I'd back Albion to get more points than Newcastle, I think. Yeah. Um, It's just, can they reel in such a big gap? But if that gap was suddenly five points, then it's game on then. It's game on. For sure. And you've still got the Palace game. Still got the Palace game, yeah. And Palace aren't doing well at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Tyrell, have plans been made for next season regarding transfers and what players are getting new contracts? I'd imagine Albion have probably drawn up plans uh, for both scenarios, whether they somehow do stay up or if they go down. Yeah, so just on that very quickly, obviously there's... Yes, the plans are being formalised for both whatever division they're in next season. We know that. Obviously, a big question is who's the manager going to be? I think there's a good chance it could be Sam Allardyce no matter what division um, Albion are in, but obviously it's a factor still. Um, contracts, there's not an awful lot of decisions to make, I don't think, um, at this moment in time. Um, Carl Bartley is an Albion player next season. His deal expires to 2022. Connor Townsend signed his new deal. Um, so there are players out of contract, but I think the big ones really... Kyle Edwards and Hal Robson Carno. Yeah. Um, and I'd say the big ones have been done. Like Townsend and Bartley were the, the players they they really had to get pinned down, I think. Um, I really, really like Kyle Edwards. I feel like he should have gone on loan this season, if I'm honest. Yeah, um, you'd say that now, wouldn't you, I guess? Because he's just not featured and he's not going to. It's unlikely that he's going to feature under, under Big Sam in a relegation battle. And I, I mean. I said it at the start of the season as well. I loved his song that the Premier League was going to see him and stuff. And I do think he's got an awful lot of potential, but I just think he needs to play. You get better by playing games. You get, yeah. you really do. And I, so I don't know. I, 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 hand on heart, I don't know what's best for Kyle Edwards next season. Is he better off leaving? He might be. For his own professional development, he, he might be better off going. Um, so that contract's... A 50-50, really. Um, Harry Robson Carnu, I'd keep him. I'm, I've spoken to um, a few fans about it, and the, there's a few fans who, while, while um, people say 
he's a good player and, and he obviously was fantastic in the championship last season. So I think some people think it might just be time to move on. Mm. Um, but I'd give him another year if we go down. Um, that's just me personally. Um, I'd give him another year. I, if, I'd go, if, if we went down, I'd buy a striker of the Dianga mould. We'd have Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant, I'd give HRK another year. Yeah. Um, but, but like I said, I think the real pressing concerns were Bartley and Townsend. Yeah. Um, yeah. There we go. Uh, all right, let's quickly finish up talking about the games. Everton and Newcastle, I'm going to kind of just cram them together. Um, uh, tough ask against Everton, but we've already kind of covered Newcastle with their injuries. I suppose, like you said, it all goes down to team selection. How does Sam play it? Yeah, and it's it's impossible to analyse the games really um, until we know that team selection. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know who. I don't know. I'd, obviously, that last time I spoke to Sam was on after the after the Brighton game. I don't think really he knew what he was going to do then. Um, based on that, you, you sort of take things one game at a time, don't you? So. Mm. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. It is all about the team sheets for me. I, I really hope he, I, I hope he goes full strength against Everton. I do. Um, can't say any more than that. Um, Albion team picks itself. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I think Snodgrass. Apart, apart from his centre back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's a, I think Snodgrass will come in for Phillips, um, and I think O'Shea will get the nod over a jai, But it, it's a toss of a coin, really. Um, but yeah, so that the Albion team picks itself, and then if if he if if he goes full strength, um, and then yeah, can they get a result against Everton? I think they can. I really do. Yeah, two home games as well. Um, I'll tell you what, it would have been nice to have fans in from. Uh, right, shall we just stick those, cross those fingers, hope that they they can get. Four, I mean, what six? What what a lift six points would be, AJ. Eh, um, be absolutely six points huge. is dreamland. I think four points is a is a very fair return. Well, it's more than it, four points. I think everyone will get very excited. Yeah, I think um, so. Six points, and you're absolutely like in dreamland, aren't you? Yeah, um, mate, yeah. Especially heading into Palace. Um, oh. Imagine they got nine points in that. No, you can't, mate. It's not going to happen. You're oh, not going to get nine words. <laughs> It's they just not going to happen. Oh, if they got nine points, I'd be... Uh, this is the one thing that's... I mean, in a very selfish point of view, uh, and I know plenty of people have missed the football just as much, but I was really looking forward to covering Albion as a as a Premier League team, being a, trying to go to pretty much every game this season alongside you, and obviously that's not transpired the way it's been. It'd be an absolute nightmare for, for fans and... and not only fans, but for for the players and the club and and for us, if um, we won't be able to enjoy a Premier League season with fans in grounds, but we will live in hope, Joe. We will live in hope. Unless you um, unless you got anything else to add, we're pretty much done. No, no. After that little ramble, mate, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Thinking lost track of what you were trying to say there, didn't you? I did a little bit. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah. I just, I just saw nine points. I just thought of nine points in order. To, so the nine, you got dazzled by the nine points, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. You got um, very, very excited by the nine points. 
I did, I mean, God forbid they get nine points, mate. I will be, I mean, the train, all aboard the survival train, it'll be like three stops down by then. Yeah, you'll be, um, you're, I can, you're the driver, aren't you? I can see, I can see with a little cap and like doing the choo <laughs> Imagine that, pulling in the Hawthorne survival, the survival express. All right. If okay. Albion get four points for the next two games, can someone please do a mock-up of, of you, like on the front of a train with a little cap on? That make me so happy. <laughs> a little steam oh. train. Oh, I'd be all, I, I would truly be on board. I'd be in first class. <laughs> I've been first class on the survival train, if that happens. Um, right, that just about does us from me, from Joe. Our fingers are crossed. We hope yours are too. A fond farewell. Goodbye.